Honestly, she didn't really want to do the song. She'd already done the theme song for the Beauty and the Beast, and honestly, she thought she was pushing her luck doing another theme song. And the Beauty and the Beast had already won Grammys, Oscars, Golden Globes. What more could she really achieve with another movie song? But everyone really seemed to want her to do it. She'd worked with the producer Simon Franklin on her 1993 album, and she knew he could pick out a hit, and her manager was adamant she should record a demo for the track, and he could usually be trusted. He was her husband, after all. So she recorded the demo. She hadn't done a demo in years, and if legend is to be believed, she recorded it all in one take. This demo, a song she didn't really want to do for a film she didn't really know much about, would go on to become her signature song. At 18 million copies sold, it's one of the best-selling singles of all time, and the album it was on would later go on to sell 31 million copies. Grammys, Academy Awards, they all came once again. By the end of 1997, Celine Dion was just about the biggest pop star on the planet. Let's Talk About Love, released November 14, 1997, is one of the best-selling albums of all time, and firmly established Celine Dion as a megastar. It went number one in just about every country that had access to CD players, and its lead single, My Heart Will Go On, has entered pop culture folklore. Which is why it's no wonder that Barbara Streisand's Higher Ground, released just three days earlier, is forgotten to time, despite selling five million copies. What sort of cross-pollination do these two albums have? What do you get when you put the Bee Gees and Celine Dion in a room together? And is the Titanic song any good? We're going to find out. Welcome to When Albums Collide. Welcome to the When Albums Collide podcast. Judd Boaz with you, joined as ever with my co-host Pedro Duran. Pedro, what is cracking? Um, not much, man. Um, everything is good. Um, I can feel the... The autumn season uh, descending upon the the city of Melbourne and the state of Victoria. Um, so I'm uh, stocking up on new hoodies and new uh, track pants, new sweatpants, and um, I'm looking forward to it. All the leaves are brown and the sky yeah. is grey. You know, we, we don't do this as often anymore, mainly because, you know, our personal work yeah. schedules now that we're in COVID normal is <laughs> um, uh, it, just it's so drastic. We can't we can't get together and do this so often. But I like to think it makes it even more special when we do it. I've lit some scented candles, Pedro. I've made myself a lovely little iced coffee. Uh, I'm currently pantless. Okay. You know, it's all happening. Like I'm I'm ready to rock and roll with you <laughs> on this. Uh, how how you feeling? Good. I'm, I'm I'm feeling good. But I do want to say apologies to um you mostly, and apologies to anyone who does prep for the show by listening to the albums um because um <laughs> this week was a bit of a slog for myself i don't know about you but um it was um it was uh pretty difficult to kind of get through these albums because the idea was i was thinking about this for valentine's day um because um i thought it would be a, a, a good theme but we had some other shows and prep and stuff, and we just pushed this back. And then, then I basically, I mean, we had to face the music and being like, okay, we have to listen to these albums. It took me like a week just to stomach it, right? Like just to build up the will to listen to it. Exactly. Me too, man. Like I was sitting at home like, oh, I have some free time, but I should listen to this Barbra Streisand album. And I was like, fuck, I, I, it's, it's, it, oh, I kind of don't want to. I'll do almost anything but to, but to go through it. But, um, but here we are. 
We are reviewing today Barbara Streisand's Higher Ground, which was released November 11th, 1997. It was number one on the Billboard 200, more than 5 million copies sold worldwide. And then three days later, Celine Dion just blew her the fuck out with Mm. Let's Talk About Love, which was number one everywhere. Mm. One of the best-selling albums of all time, 31 million copies sold worldwide. Pedro, what do you know about uh, Miss Barbara Streisand, and what do you know about Miss Celine Dion? Oh, okay. Well, uh, as far as Barbara Streisand... And it's Streisand, because during this whole week, like, watching the interviews with her, she would always correct people when they said Streisand. So, apologies, shout out to Mrs. Streisand. Also, also, a thing I noticed is she's dropped an A. Her name's not Barbara. Okay. It's Barbara. Barbara. Like, there's, it's missing the second A of three, you know? Oh, okay. So, it's Barbara. She Apparently, she hated her original name, Barbara, so she changed it, but didn't change it that much. She yeah. changed it to Barbara. Okay. Anyway, right. yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, with her, it's 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 just a thing of, like, I guess, cultural osmosis. She, I mean, as long as I've been alive, she's always been kind of like a celebrity. I knew she was like a singer, but, like, you know, a singer from the olden days, I guess. Um, but she, And she's always had that title of a diva or one of the, like, superstar celebrities and people just go fucking crazy for her and whatnot. But, um, I, I mean, she really reached my consciousness um, through uh, South Park. She was a butt of a joke in a South Park episode. She's portrayed as this horrible entitled attention-seeking celebrity hello there little boy do you know who i am no i bet you do i'm going where there's lucky clovers in the sucks dude i'm barbara streisand so so well so i'm a very famous and very important individual and in the course of the episode she eventually turns into this mechanical um dinosaur monster that tears apart south park um so that's uh, that's how i um uh, became very familiar with her and then with celine dion i mean bro it's it's i mean we're gonna talk about that song but that that one song was that song that must not be named yeah that song was everywhere um if you were alive um, and, and even if you weren't out of the womb yet, fuck if you were dead, fuck yeah. it, you've heard that song. Yeah, man. Um, it was just played at nauseum and, um, that made her a superstar. And then, you know, late night television comedies would go on and parody her massively shows like mad TV or Saturday night live, which is, uh, uh, just rip her ass apart. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I know about Celine Dion. So Barbara Streisand, obviously, I think the way most people that are maybe born after 1995 would know her is from, A, uh, that movie Meet the Fockers, where she plays Ben Stiller's mother. Yes, 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 right. And also there's a Duck Sauce song, which is a remix of a Boney M classic, where basically just over and over the song goes, Barbara Streisand. You haven't heard that? No, I don't think so. Really? Well, you're going to. I'm putting it in the show. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that that's really how I know Barbara Streisand. I, I had the inkling she was an actress slash singer back in the day, but mm. I didn't. I'd never listened to any of her music, clearly. For Celine Dion, much the same. The song that must not be named is a very popular song, and it sort of colored my understanding of Celine Dion, which is why some of this album 
fucking shook me to my core with how different it sounded mm. to what I expected. Yeah, yeah. My favourite fun fact, and I may have said this on the podcast before, and if so, tell me, Petro, and I'll cut this out, but my favourite Celine Dion fact is she makes songs that in the radio business we call sticky songs, if that makes sense. Okay. So in 2003, Arista Records, they had this new song. It was called Hey Ya by Outkast. You may have heard of it. One, two, three, And nowadays, it's not like focus groups or whatever. They actually have firms, companies like Polyphonic HMI, which is a collection of data scientists and statisticians and, like, AI experts, and they put the song into their little algorithm and they say, oh, this is going to be a hit. Like, this is going to hit all the right things. Like, they can scientifically judge this is going to be a huge hit. It's so poppy, everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. And if you've heard Hey Ya, you know it's, it's a great song, right? Right. But no one wanted to listen to it. Maybe because it has a different time signature. It's not 4-4 time signature. Maybe just because it sounds weird and different. And, like, no song really sounds like Hey Ya, does it? No. They'd put it on the radio, and people would just turn it off within 30 seconds. Which is horrible for a, any company, and that means radio stations don't want to play it. You've got this weird problem where you have a song you know is awesome, you know the song's going to be a hit, you just need people to actually listen to it, if that makes sense, to just stay on the station for long enough so they can listen to it. Well, in the radio business, thankfully, they have sticky songs. It's a concept called sticky songs. These are songs that, for whatever reason, whether they're good or bad, people always stay tuned in to listen to. Mm -hmm. Whether they're good or bad, maybe it's because they're familiar or they're conventional, but they stick to the station. Celine Dion makes some of the stickiest songs in the music business. (laughs) Now, this is from Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit. Quote, When Celine Dion releases a new song, and it sounds like every other song she's sung, as well as most of the other songs on the radio, our brains unconsciously crave its recognisability, and the song becomes sticky. You might never attend a Celine Dion concert, but you'll listen to her songs on the radio because that's what you expect to hear when you drive to work. Those songs correspond perfectly to your habits. So even though everyone says they hate Celine Dion, even though men on their morning commute in LA couldn't stand her songs they'd inexplicably stay tuned into the radio station to listen to them so what do you do you just sandwich hey ya between two sticky songs you put a Christina Aguilera who has sticky songs hey this is Christina Aguilera and coming up we've got Celine Dion so don't go anywhere And you play Hey Ya in the middle. And so even though for some reason, even if you hate Celine Dion, you'll stay tuned because you know she's coming up and mm. it's just what you expect to hear. What do we glean from this? It means that Celine Dion is the boring, safe, white bread you sandwich actually good songs around. Yeah. She's paper. She is an A4 piece of blank white paper. And, you know, Hey Ya became a huge hit because in large part to Celine Dion. That's what I know about Celine Dion. So going into this album, oh boy, um, we're in for a treat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that explains a lot of the songs on this album, particularly at the tail end of uh, of uh, uh, Let's Talk About Love. But let's go into a little bit of, of Barbara Streisand, of who she is. This is her 27th studio album. She is 
prolific. She just keeps dropping albums. You know, since she was age 16 and she's been living on her own, working menial jobs and she was sleeping on friends' couches and stuff, trying to make it in showbiz. One night she went to The Lion, which is a gay nightclub in uh, Manhattan's Greenwich Village, and she sang in a talent show and she did like two songs and apparently there was stunned silence in the audience followed by thunderous applause which i imagine pedro is much what you had when you were listening to this album Mm. you were just applauding every track Mm -hmm. Uh, and she got a residency at that nightclub because she was so good and you know got discovered and the rest is history this album that she wrote higher ground is apparently inspired and dedicated to virginia clinton kelly Bill Clinton's mother. Did you get any of that in this album? Listening to it? Absolutely not. I didn't. I, I read that in the research, and I didn't uh, 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 listening to it. I didn't. There was any. There wasn't any uh, uh, reference to her or anything like that. But apparently, yeah, it's uh, dedicated to her. So I don't know where that was necessarily coming from. Fucking bizarre is what I would say. And let's talk about love. Celine Dion has, you know. One of the most famous songs of all time on it. A song that everyone has heard and will continue to hear for the next hundred years. Uh, So we're going to get into it right now. Do you want to break it down track by track? Yeah, let's do it. Starting things off higher ground, there's a little bit of a medley from Barbara Streisand. She opens up with, I believe and you will never walk alone. Okay, here we go. So these are all... (laughs) traditional pop songs and show tunes Mm. and you know what i mean is barbara streisand and celine dion for that matter which is a it's great these albums collided three days apart because they're very similar she is a singer she is a singer great vocal range and a master of her craft but she's not a songwriter she's not a dancer you know she's not like a triple threat she does act but she is a singer Because she's not writing, she's just singing other people's songs. And these are already very famous songs. Mm -hmm. You Will Never Walk Alone is a very famous song. They sing it at Liverpool football matches every every week. It's a very, very famous song. Her rendition of it is, I would say, dour is the word I would Mm -hmm. use to describe it. Uh, Like, this is released in 1997, this medley. But it could have been released in 1957, the way it's arranged, the way it sounds. I'm not saying she's a bad singer, because she ain't. But fucking hell, man. For a 1997 pop album, this was hard work. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too. And it's funny that you mentioned that it could have been released in the 50s because the original song was released in the 50s. It's written by Irvin Drake. And uh, the original singer, Frankie Lane, um, I mean, when he recorded it and put it out, it was like uh, super big at the time. And it was actually, they they actually written it apparently to uh, provide inspiration for the U.S. during the Korean War, which uh, is is hilarious um, to think that, no, we're just writing songs to to, um, uh, commit war crimes overseas and things. But I I know exactly what you you mean by... um, the composition is it sounds archaic because it, it it does sound 
like it's from the Eisenhower era. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't sound great for 1997. It, it sounds just, it sounds like what it sounds like. It sounds like a 19, a song from the 1940s or the 1950s. Pedro, let me tell you, it doesn't sound great for 2021 either. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, um, they should just, just kept it back in the, back in the day where where it belongs and then i mean with the with the other one too you never walk alone um it's it's another one from like an old school song that she decided to put out in 1997 and i think it's from um uh, a musical um uh carousel and um yeah and, and all that so for opening track of an album that's released in 1997 i think it's um it's just uh, a little, a little too archaic. It's it's interesting. So this because this is a, a sign of maybe the times or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Where Barbara is from a time where you don't write your own music. You are a singer, and mm-hmm. some people will go to see you at like a club or a lounge act, and you'll just sing famous songs. But you'll sing them so beautifully. That's how you'll make your career. You know, you don't have to write the songs, or other people write songs for you. But doing these jazz standards or whatever doing these classic songs just it feels so weird putting it on an album and opening it the album with it you know and she has classics all throughout this it's just so bizarre and i feel like so dated and out of touch with what was happening in 1997 celine dion she also doesn't write any of her songs all the songs are written for her but at least they're new songs or fresh songs or songs that have recently been written and haven't been heard before. So it feels at least a little bit more fresh. You feel like you're getting your money's worth instead of just rebuying a song that's already been done, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because when you hear, when you're putting them track by track, when you hear the opening of um, Higher Ground, and then I, and then you go over and listen to Celine Dion's album, instantly I can hear the difference in the production and the and just the sound, you know what I mean? Like there was just something there. I instantly picked up. I was like, okay, I can tell one of these was definitely recorded in, in 1997. Um, and even with, um, with Celine Dion's uh, first few tracks, it sounds like of, of the time, but um, yeah, it's funny that you were, you were mentioning about you, you'll never walk alone. And it's um, a massive song. Cause I've, I've never know. I, I didn't, I didn't know like it was a song that like football clubs, will will sing do they sing in yeah, the stands yeah. and, and stuff i guess okay well i i was also reading that apparently this song has um become popular lately as well because um in the uk and other parts of europe it's become the anthem um for uh the medical staff our first responders and everyone in quarantine during the the covid19 pan- uh, pandemic mm-hmm. have you heard about this yeah, yeah, I think I've seen like it's like very viral video-y, right? Like uh, nurses will be singing yeah. it or something in a in a TikTok or you know whatever the fuck. Exactly. So I, I wanted to ask you. So if you had to choose a song, which would be the anthem for COVID nineteen, uh, what would you what would you pick? God, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I would say just in the in terms of how COVID makes me feel. I would say it is like Hotel California, yeah. <laughs> or Bohemian Rhapsody, where. The first time you listen to it, the first time you experience it, you know, it's kind of like, oh, this is new. This is novel. Shit, it might be even be a little bit fun. You know, things are locking down. This has never happened before. Uh-huh. And then it just keeps going. And these, it's so long. Like, it just keeps going. And there's another chorus. And it just stretches out. And by the end of it, it has gone on for far too long. 
and people just keep talking about it and yeah. keep bringing it up and keep 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 playing it. Fucking hell. That's how I feel about COVID. It just keeps going. I thought we'd be over this by now. I know. And uh, no, apparently we're not. Uh, you can check out, but you can never leave. Ooh, nice. Good choice. Good choice. Do you have an answer for that question? Me? Oh, I was going to... I took an easy right. I just said mask off by future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mask off. Mask off. Mask <laughs> off. So, yeah. And I was just thinking it's funny because it was released in 2017 before this whole... Before even the words vaccine. Well, not vaccine, but um, the idea of lockdowns and, and, and COVID-19 was a part of popular lexicon so future was certainly ahead of his time exactly well hey maybe maybe that's why he is called future you know (laughs) celine dion starts off with the reason now remember earlier i mentioned like i knew what i expected from celine dion Uh uh-huh i expected these like long lovey ballads and then the reason comes on and it's like a rock track yeah now, this was written by Carol King, who's a very famous songwriter, who actually wrote it for Aerosmith yeah, originally. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and it's produced by George Martin, you know, that guy that also produced The Beatles. Okay. So, it's not a surprise, this was the second single, uh, besides, you know, the single which must not be named. Mm-hmm. What did you think of The Reason, man? This was very left field. Uh, yeah, I thought I, I thought it was, a, a, it was good. It was a nice opener for, for this album, because um, going in... Uh, I have expectations as to what to expect from a Celine Dion, Celine Dion, uh, album. And, uh, this was not it. So this kind of starts up, um, you know, very rocky and very upbeat. Took me, um, by surprise. And I, I, I was, um, I wasn't mad at it. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Okay. And of course, it's written by one of the most successful songwriters of the 20th century. So, um, it's it's designed to um, be a, a a pop hit. Yeah, like Carol King, she has a really famous, wonderful album called Tapestry, and George Martin, his band The Beatles, were quite successful. So mm. obviously, this is produced really well. Just not what I was expecting, and I would say the same for the next track as well, mm-hmm. Immortality. Mm-hmm. If you know Sir George Martin and Carol King weren't enough, she's got even more star power here with the Bee Gees on this track, providing right. the harmonies. Now. Okay, so this might be my Aussie bias coming through here, or it might be the fact that I've been, like, gagging to do a Bee Gees album on okay. this podcast. I actually really like this track. Yeah. Because like, my thoughts of Celine Dion have always been these stodgy, bland ballads, but there's actually a tiny little bit of rhythm and melody here. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. Now, I'm not like I'm not saying she's going to put James Brown out of work anytime soon, but this is much better than I had originally feared. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I saw that it was written uh, by the Bee Gees, and I was uh, pleasant, uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, I prefer this song more than uh, the previous song, The Reasons. The Reason, excuse me. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. It was more of a power ballad thing kind of going on. And uh, with the backing vocals of uh, of the Bee Gees, I thought it really um, um, helped help the song out ex- explicitly. Two songs in, it's like so far so good. You know what I mean? I'm I still have my hopes uh, uh, down, but it, it 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 was like okay, it's fine so far. I want you to tell me the exact moment your like stomach dropped. And you realized that you shouldn't have gotten your hopes up for Celine Dion. Because I'll tell you what it was for me. It was treat her like a lady. Well, for me. well guess what? It was that moment as well. <laughs> the very next song. Yeah. Dude, first two songs, I'm like, you know what? Like, I can do this. I yeah. can do this. And then this fucking song comes on. Yeah. Now, 
<sighs> okay. Oh, okay. Well, I'll write what I wrote was, okay, I take it back. Fuck no. No, Celine, no. Yeah. She does a reggae hip-hop song. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, the, I think the phrase, stay in your lane, has never been more apt. This is the thing, when like other people are writing your songs, there's no cohesion. We did an Aerosmith yeah. song, then a Bee Gees song, and now a hip-hop rap song. Uh, it's written by Diana King, who's a Jamaican-American artist famous for her 1995 song, Shy Guy. Mm-hmm. And fuck it, I'll hire her and she's going to write this R&B Jamaican banger for me that doesn't suit me at all because I'm a French-Canadian woman yeah. that doesn't, shouldn't be singing this. Yeah. What did, what do you got? What do you got for it? Yeah, man. I, I, yeah, I was shocked by this because I was like, where is this coming from? And she's like ripping and roaring on the track and uh, uh, with like so much confidence and I'm just like, mm, nah, sweetheart, it's not, it's not your thing. Unfounded confidence. Yeah. What's coming to you for all the bad, bad things you do to your Okay. And then it became very apparent when you see this, um, and then you compare it to the first two tracks, it's very apparent, oh, you're just like picking and choosing tracks and putting them on an album. You know what I mean? This is not like you sitting down and writing a piece of work, and this is the album, this is the message I want to convey. You're just like, okay, um, let's get a rock song, let's get... a I mean, let's load it up with ballads. Let's get um, a radio song. Let's get a Spanish song, which we're going to hear eventually. And then let's get this um, a reggae song. I mean, I heard the original one, uh, and they're, I mean, they're almost identical, uh, except with the cringe factor that of that a, a French Canadian putting on a Jamaican accent brings onto the track. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I just thought it was uh, laughable. And, and speaking of which, I. What's up with this musical pattern of Canadians doing reggae music? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. And it's it keeps happening on this fucking show as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Brian Adams in 1985 released a reggae Christmas album, The Band Magic. Remember them? With uh, uh, that uh, 2000... Uh, Why You Gotta Be So Rude? Yeah, 2013 uh. hit. Why Do You Gotta Be So Rude? Um, but most famously, Informer. In 1993, by that rapper Snow, you know, bringing it open, busting the door open for later acts like Drake to, you know, do his dance hall uh, appropriation. Sound. Yeah, like hits. You know, he has like one dance, and he's peppering Jamaican slang on tracks like 5 A.M. in Toronto and, and and all that. So, you know, we don't like to punch down on this show, okay? So I'm going to give you both sides of the of the coin here for treat her like a lady. Firstly, here are some wonderful reviews of this album. And we can say all she wants. You know, you said like, oh, she didn't create a piece of art. She just took songs and put them on an album. Well, you know, she sold 31 million copies, so who are we to judge? Mm -hmm. But the reviews say, the New York Observer editor Jonathan Bernstein wrote, She's fallen on her face before when attempting to be as one with the rhythm, but Celine Dion has never humiliated herself as comprehensively as she does when mashing it up in a dancehall style on Treat Her Like a Lady. As Seinfeld's George Costanza remarked in a similar situation, Sweet Fancy Moses. <laughs> yeah. And Stephen Wells from NME commented, 
Celine raps hardcore radical feminism. Yes, she does. She says that we've got to treat women like ladies, otherwise they might go crazy. This is possibly the most profound statement on the subject of women's oppression since Jermaine Greer's The Female Eunuch. Mm. And she continues the R&B nonsense on YOY, the next track. But I will offer the counterpoint. I put on Celine Dion and Barbara Streisand yesterday when I was having drinks with my friend Lucy. Okay, good. I, 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 thought, I thought you were about to say when having a drink with the boys. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I put it on as a joke, ironically. Yeah. And she turned to me unironically and said, I love this. Really? And she could, she could rap, treat her like a lady, almost word for word. Wow. She said, right. I love this album. And I thought, there is a market for it. Say what you want. And other songs coming up, she knew all the words. Really? All the words. And she's like, she's cool, bro. Yeah. Like, she's, a, she's my friend. She's not like a, some fucking dweeb. Yeah, yeah. So I was shocked. But there is a market for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. <sighs> we got to go back to Barbara Streisand. Mm. And this is the second track is when I realized that it was going to be a tough one. Mm. Higher ground. Yeah. Now, to her credit, she isn't as schizophrenic all over the place with her music choices. Maybe because she knows... You know, she's a 40-year-old Jewish woman from New York and she can't get away with some of this shit that Celine's trying to pull off. <laughs> so she does softer, strong, heartfelt ballads. Higher ground. Some of these lyrics. While the words of ancient poets fall like dust upon my shoes Greed has robbed me of my vision Turned my heart from higher uh, this is some flowery shit, man. Yeah, yeah. It's not offensive to listen to. It's not offensive, but it is very soft. Yeah, I mean, well, this is her what twenty seventh album. So at this point, I mean, I think she's 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 in the mode of just making non offensive music. Nothing. It's just it's bland. I mean, that's all. Like, it's really what it is. I mean, like, and I guess I listening to already going to this album, being like, okay, this is what it is. It's going to be a bunch of bland ballads and standards. And I kind of got a, a hit of there's um, hints of religious themes in in a lot of these songs. You know, like things on higher ground or very god talky. Yeah. Very god. There's a song called yeah. On Holy Ground. You know, the water is wide and which is, you know, deep river, which are kind of folk, uh, somewhat religious songs. Um, so I, once I listen to this, I'm like, OK, this is what is what is going to be. And yeah, the lyrics on this song are whatever. They are flowery and, and lame. But I, I think the next song really takes the cake as far as corny ass lyrics at the same time, man, like, I, I don't know. At the same time. Yeah. My God, this song. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Cause they have lyrics. like think of all the hearts beating in the world at the same time. Think of all the faces and the stories they can tell at the same time. <laughs> think of all, <laughs> think the, of children all the children being, being born, born into, into this, this world. world. At, at the, the same, same time. time. And I love, and at that point, the background, there's a children's choir that goes, at the same time. <laughs> at the same time. 
Pedro, oh, we the more we do this show, I feel like we're just writing the same notes. <laughs> yeah. I, like I think I've made it pretty clear during this show, I hate kids, man. Yeah. At least at least in my media. Like I'm not going around fucking clipping them on the back of the ears in real life. No, of course but not. They're always the most annoying part of any film, any TV show, and especially on any music track. Yeah. So Barbara's inclusion of a children's chorus is nails on a chalkboard for me. It, it's awful. Yeah, yeah, it's Yes, I I remember um, your adversion to children's singing. Um, And so I I thought about you instantaneously when I've heard these these kids uh, uh, belting out this this tune. And so because it's so, so, I would say, corny and cheesy, all these songs are like show tunes or by great songwriters who also wrote for Broadway, right? Mm -hmm. So every ballad is very show business. And this was written by Anne Hampton Calloway, who also wrote the theme tune for The Nanny. Oh, really? Okay, wow. Yeah, which is a great song, but it's much better than this. Yeah, yeah. She was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, till her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. What was she to do? Where was she to go? She was out on her family. I love that song. One of the greatest uh, theme songs ever. So we have, I'm going to, we're going to cover the the next big track in in Together, because this has never happened on the show before. Um, Celine has another track called Love Is On The Way, which is a crazy stylistic jump again. And it's, I would say, very God or Christian-y kind of music, religious music again. Mm -hmm. And then Barbara and Celine do a duet together. Yes, you heard that right, folks. Barbara Streisand, Celine Dion, both included the same song on both albums. The lead single for Barbara Streisand, Tell Him cross-pollination yes never have we had cross-pollination pedro so raw and uncut yeah the same song on both albums these albums literally are colliding right now yeah definitely man definitely yeah that 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 was fascinating to see because when i was going through it i was like wait am i what tell him Uh, wait wait oh they're on the same they 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 have the same song and may, and maybe i thought it was like maybe they might one might be produced differently no it's exactly the same it's the song the same song yeah. yeah exactly yeah the song is written by linda thompson um who was um i, I, I don't know if you know she was like she was an actress uh, an american actress she started in show business um in the show called hee haw i don't know if you ever seen that out here sounds like a real gritty hbo drama yes yes well it's basically just think about it's like a country theme variety show so it's it's um it's basically like hey hey it's saturday with a lot less blackface performers so (laughs) so, nice cut bro nice thank you Uh, but no, in, in seriousness, she's also written a lot, a lot of songs throughout her career, most famously like Drowning by uh, the Backstreet Boys. They did that one. And uh, I Have Nothing performed by uh, Whitney Houston, which was on the the Bodyguard soundtrack. So I saw in her, even her personal life. She's lived a life, man. She's lived a life because I saw that she um, um, was a longtime girlfriend of Elvis Presley. Um, and then she dated him for a long time, and then she ended up marrying uh, Bruce Jenner. Um, who no was, shit. Yeah, really? man. Yeah, she she married him, um, who is now, of course, Bruce Jenner is now known as Caitlyn Jenner. So Linda has lived quite a life, and I just thought it was super interesting that at one time she's had sex with one of the most transformative musicians in popular music history. And then she's dated, um, well, you know, I'll let, I'll let the audience fill in the blank on that <laughs> joke. So, 
Well done, Pedro. Well Thank done. you. Thank you. Is this supposed to be like a passing of the torch moment, at least in their own minds, right? Because yeah. Barbara is actually, she's actually 55 here. She's, I assume, reaching sort of the tail end of her career. Celine is 29 and she's hitting it absolutely huge. Is this the master and the student coming together here for you? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I, I saw, uh, I saw how, this, how the song came together is that Celine Dion performed at some award show twice. I think it was the, the Oscars? Yeah, something like that. Wasn't she, and she wasn't meant to. She was supposed to just do one, uh, one performance and then Barbara excuse me, Barbara or Barbara, whatever, Streisand was um, was super uh, impressed by that. Yeah, because she, she did uh, one of Barbara's songs, I think. Ah, okay, that was it. She so did she- uh, I Finally Found Someone. And so, yeah, and then Barbara saw that and she's like, oh my God, thank thank you so much for doing my song. Exactly. And then they just kind of started getting together and we should work on a song and and that's uh, that's um, how, we, how we came to be. But yeah, definitely, it's, it's like um, she's you know giving her her knighthood in a way like i dubbed the the new diva or you know i'm bringing you into the club the song is fine it's just these superstar singers doing a duet it's i don't i, I it's not anything super crazy good i can just imagine it on after dark radio stations when it's like smooth radio, you know, um, the song being played. But did you get a chance to watch the music video at all? I, you know me, like I, I like to... I did. So it's it's Celine and Barbara, like, it, I guess it's, it's all fake, right? But they're pretending to be like around the piano and they're just jamming, just the two of them jamming yeah. and like working out how this song is going to go. And they're singing to each other and trying to like, you know, hilarious, you know, duel each other. We could try try it both ways and see which feels better. Okay, so what do I go first? I, I yeah. do this like, do your hold. Okay. Yeah, it's so hilarious. It's just like, we're just normal people and we're just so nervous to work with each other. And you know what I mean? And like, they're like, they're like exchanging notes and like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. I want to ask the question is it, is it a case of, these two are working together, or is it Barbara's sort of clinging on to Celine's coattails a little bit? Because right now, Celine Dion is, is close to going to be the hottest thing on the planet in terms of this musical style. Right. Shit, I'd better do a song with her and release it as my lead single to cruise off the hype a ah, little bit, yeah. right? Yeah, well, I, I can see that. This album, Higher Ground, sold 5 million copies, so... Mm. Yeah. No, I can I can definitely see that uh, because I saw that uh, this single was the only uh, off a of higher ground was the only one to to chart and then everything else didn't, you know. <laughs> it went plummeted. Yeah, so I can I can definitely see that for Celine Dion's benefit, she's working with Barbara Streisand, you know, one of the biggest superstars. So that kind of puts a little notch in her belt as well. You know what I mean? To be accepted and being like, oh wow, I'm working with. You know, just it's bringing her to another level in her in her career. So. Well, she did say that Barbara is one of her idols in show business, and she said, "I love her voice, her music, her acting, just about everything she does. She's amazing." And but she also said uh, she was a bit wary of getting too close to her. You know, like you don't want to meet your heroes. So she says, you know, it takes practically nothing to destroy your image of them, and just as little to crush you. And but apparently they met up, and it was it was all great, right? I will say this. The bridge here is, like, admittedly great. I think the rest of the song blows, but the the bridge is killer. Like, the chorus, whack. The verses, whack. The arrangement, whack. The instrumentation, whack. Hair, whack. It's gear, whack. It's jewelry, whack. It's foot stance, whack. The way that he talks, whack. The way that he doesn't even like to smile, whack. 
but the bridge is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, they they it's a fine duet. It's a fine duet when they're together. If they'd done another song, a better song would have been would have been cool. But it is. I mean, it's it's. I guess, like you were saying at the top, it's one of those sticky songs. I don't know if you consider this. It's just a song that it's not offensive. It's just on the radio, and you're like, oh, yeah, because Barbara Streisand, Celine Dion. Okay, I'll just... Yeah, this is a a perfect sticky song. If anyone listening, I would suggest to watch the music video. It's everywhere, um, because it's just hilarious. But um, ironically, it's exactly the same way how Judd and I record this podcast. I mean, (laughs) I know you're constantly putting your hands on my shoulders to comfort me. And I'm holding your hand as you hit your high notes as well. So uh, yeah, I can, and we do I'm it gonna... around a grand piano. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come into the show, but we yeah. just, it adds to the ambiance. Exactly. Uh, let's take a pause for the cause. We'll be back with more when albums collide. To many film fans, this is seen as a classic film quote. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. This one is too. You talking to me? Over at Sea Here, however, we're very fond of this one. How many times do I have to tell you? No pizza for you, Joey. Not to mention this one. Grease is the best, man. <laughs> what makes us different to other film discussion podcasts? Tim, Bernie and I talk about films that are music-centric. Ours is the only podcast that has found the link between Hated, the Gigi Allen story, Ishtar, and Yellow Submarine. As well as roundtable film talk, we also speak with directors of music films about their work. So if you love music and you love films, join us at See Here. That's S-W-E-H-E-A-R. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Even Mozart likes the show. <laughs> Back on When Albums Collide, we are reviewing Celine Dion's Let's Talk About Love with Barbara Streisand's On Higher Ground. They came out three days apart in 1997. Pedro... The sort of religious, Jesus-y, well, not Jesus-y, because I believe she's of Jewish descent. Oh, yeah. Um, so Hebrew-y kind of music continues on holy ground. There's a slight spiritual undertone to this album, and but on holy ground, they've gone full gospel with yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a true gospel song. It's my favorite song so far. Really? Yeah, okay. Very timeless, man. I didn't mind it at all. These type of ballads, right, are perfectly suited for religious music, because you can't do a dubstep remix of a gospel song. No. So you're going to do a ballad, and Barbara Streisand, she's a wonderful singer. I can't knock it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is where it goes full gospel. I think mostly because of the church organ. That's when I picked up. I was like, oh, okay, everything else has had kind of tinges of uh, religion, or um, but this is a full gospel song. Um, there's a gospel choir on it. I'm in agreement with you. It's not it is what it is. Like it knows what wants to be a gospel song, so I appreciated that. So I thought it was one of the better tracks on the album. Pedro, I mean, I'm glad you. I have you as my co-host here because I can ask you for an insider's opinion okay. on Amar Haciendo El Amor. Oh my God, yeah. Celine Dion 
does a Spanish song. Yeah, I know. Not a Spanish-flavoured song, no. not a salsa-flavoured no. song. She sings in Spanish. Yes. How's her pronunciation, man? How's her... Oh, actually, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But every... T- and you know how I feel. Every time an artist who isn't... Uh, a native Spanish speaker attempts to do like a, a Spanish song. I don't know whether to appeal to the to the the Latin crowd because this remember this is 1997. So you know at the tail end of the 90s, like that Latin flavor was like everywhere. You have the Latin explosion, as it was called in the music industry, with "Living the Vida Loca" and then Jennifer Lopez's "On the Six album came out. So Lou Bega was big for a bit. Yeah, so everyone's trying to kind of capitalize on the, on the Latin sound. <laughs> but it's funny because you know the the translation. The translation is just really love making love. That's what she's saying. Oh, really? Is that I what it is? Love making, like, not not even. I love making love. It's love making love. Where did she get off, man? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. And, and I just thought it was funny in relation to um, Barbara's previous song. At the same time, if they would have had like a lyric, like I'm thinking about thinking about how you love making love, <laughs> and like at the same time, because <laughs> it's just repetitive. Um, I thought that was hilarious. But for this song, every time it would, I would every listen to. That I had this week, I was I would skip this song. I was just like, I'm I'm not feeling this. And then it gets worse. When I need you. Now the intro to this was vomit inducing for me. It just tacked on for no reason to a classic song by Leo Sayer, who's actually Australian now. I think he got his Australian residency, but Australian classic. His version is much simpler and much nicer than this fucking botch job that she does. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with Celine Dion is she, like, stretches out her vowels and sounds to make it sound like she's doing, like, a vocal exercise. Because that's what people want out of her, right? They want her going full falsetto and operatic with it. Leo Sayer sings the song, and it's a lovely song. Mm. Celine Dion drags it out like a fucking root canal, and it just, it's so painful. And you're right here. Yes, I agree. Um, the the original one is way, way, way it's a, a million times better. I was like going through watching videos. It's just there's something about it that he is able to convey that sh- she's lacking, man. I just, I, I what, it was like released in 1976, so maybe it's the the, the vibe of it and his voice um, uh, accompanies that a lot better. Yeah, it's just so I wrote down Celine has no f- flavor in this version of of the song. It's I felt like it was maybe updated a bit. They put like some kind of R&B ting to it, but nothing happening. The only thing I I, I thought it was funny cuz she does her uh kind of that stereotypical signature song prep and singers do when they go like or like you know they're like (laughs) getting ready to belt it out in the beginning of a song sound like fucking grover from sesame street well (laughs) we are doing a celine dion album like celine dion let's talk about love starts to nosedive in the middle starts to fucking plummet towards the earth i find higher ground by barbara streisand holds its own Mm. the next song if i could I found myself shockingly enjoying these ballads a little bit. Isn't that mental? 
Can you believe the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> I've hated pretty much every ballad we've ever listened to on this podcast. And I think it's generally because we are listening to rock and roll artists or hip-hop artists and them attempting ballads, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. We're listening to, no, and no offense to Sheryl Crow or Susanna Hoffs or Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> We're listening yes. to lesser artists attempt something beyond their measure. This is a woman who's been doing it for 40 fucking years, brother. Yeah. She doesn't bother attempting to write because she knows that's not her wheelhouse. She just sings these professionally written songs like a true songstress, uh, a, 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 a chanteuse, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I didn't hate it. I didn't hate if I could. Now, that's not to say there's nothing wrong with this album, because there is, and mm-hmm. we'll get to it. But if I could, it's, it's all right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I just took it, it's it's like a song to her offspring, I guess, right? Or son or daughter. Because I, I just took, like, the theme was, you know, I'm your parent, I want to do everything and make your life better for you. Um, and, and then the song's lyrics go on to just talk about different scenarios in which, you know, Streisand would go about doing that. I would cross the bridge that I burned for you. I would climb a mountain for you and and so forth and so forth. So going through it, thinking about it, it's, it was a song that does stick out. Cause I noticed it wasn't, it didn't have um, any type of religious themes or motifs in it. Um, but yeah, it was fine. I mean, Streisand, one thing I say, she's not like a, she's not a bad singer at all. It's just, um, a, a full album um, full of ballads and um, standards, kind of boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> so the next song for Barbara Streisand, Circle, I mentioned there's obviously there are things wrong with the album. The mm-hmm. instru- instrumentation on High Ground is disgusting. Mm-hmm. It sounds so cheap. The plinkety plink of the instruments, the glittery almost like it's like a star wipe is happening like the glittery sound effects that they've got going on it all sounds budget it all sounds dated it reminds me of karaoke's covers of actual songs like that's how bad the (laughs) the instrumentation is of actual songs yes (laughs) like my mum, being chinese obviously uh loves karaoke and used to be able to buy these like karaoke machines to plug in at home that had all the songs programmed into it you know so you could sing air supply at home or whatever right and it's the classic karaoke. You know what, it, like, if you've ever seen karaoke before, you know what it is. It's this weird stock footage of, like, European cities or something, or, like, couples walking along the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the big, like, block letters, neon block letters at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, that's a hell of a niche reference. But th- that's what this music sounds like in terms of instrumentation. Her vocals are great, but the production, my goodness, it sounds bad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just whatever. Um, and especially with, with Circle, it's funny. I thought... This song, what it's like about how living things are connected and and so forth. I, I I thought the song was done better in 1994 when Elton John did it, but he called it the Circle of Life. I just <laughs> felt the themes were like the same. It was just like the butterflies are connected and and to the human life and and, and all this. And I was like, it's not, it's the Circle of Life. We we all have heard it. It's a Lion King. <laughs> it's a better song. It won Oscars, <laughs> Academy Awards. So. Uh, yeah, so for me, this was a, a, a skip 
a skippable song. I mean, look, a lot of the songs are skippable on Celine Dion. She has Miles to Go, which is based on a Robert Frost poem. Lame. Yeah, I know. What was that about? And then Us. Like, if it's not, if it ain't a God song, it's a love song. There's not a lot of variation in terms of themes. Stylistically, it's all over the place, but thematically, I know the album is called Let's Talk About Love, right? Mm. So it's like going to... It's like going to the musical Cats and complaining that there are too many cats. You, you signed up for this shit, right? Yeah. But it makes listening to it in one sitting impossible. I needed four sittings to get... Because this is like a 70-minute album. Yeah, I needed yeah. four sittings to get through it. Yeah, I agree. I, there was times where I... I one day I was uh, out and I, I was listening to it. I had to stop. Literally, this is no joke. I stopped. I put it on pause and I had to <laughs> you had, clean you had to my brain <laughs> with like 50 cent. like Just to like... <laughs> Get through it because I was just like, oh man, I need something. Uh, uh, I don't know, a little more gangster, a little something else, just to get through this. But yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because even with with Miles to Go, I mean, she has a lot of talented producers and writers. I mean, with Miles to Go, it's a song written by Corey Hart, who's uh, another Canadian singer, and he's he has massive singles like Sunglasses at Night and and never surrender which sunglasses at night it's i i do like that song it's i think it's super catchy it's it's good everything's kind of bland and uh throughout the album until we until we eventually hit that um that massive massive song what did you think of just quickly just a little bit of love now this is celine dion with a late 90s club banger yes which is just odd like yeah. as if r&b wasn't weird enough as if a spanish song wasn't weird enough she has hired this dance pop group called Third Party, mm-hmm. and all their tracks sound like this as well. It sounds like, you know, that Night at the Roxby, oh, yes. Night at the Roxbury soundtrack, like Ace of Bass, Hathaway, or, you know, Cascada, all that stuff. This is exactly what it is. What is Celine Dion doing singing a song like this? Yeah. It's a 70-minute album. She didn't need filler. She could have just done her big songs. What on earth was she thinking? Yeah, I, well, I think it's it's a thing of we're just taking this, we're gonna put in a Spanish song, we're gonna put in um, uh, the the big hit radio song, we're gonna do a duet with Barbara, we're gonna put in a song with almost uh, a duet with an opera singer, um, we're gonna do the reggae song, and this is it. And, the, and they say you need you need something for the clubs because this is it. This is a '90s dance song. It reminded me of. Um, like Robin S's Show Me the Love, or Show Me Love, excuse me. Don't put them in the same category, bro. Say <laughs> close to Robin S's Show Me but Love. But what I'm telling you, it's like that vibe, you know what I mean? Like that, you, you said it, the Night of the Roxbury kind of vibe, you know? Uh, a song like Another Night or Runaway from uh, Real McCoy. It's just that... You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, and she, just, and she just threw it in. And But you know what the thing about it is? I actually like this song because Good it's, Lord. it's just, it's, it's so shameless in what it's trying to be. It's like, okay, this is like a cheesy nineties dance song. I was like, all right, um, I, I'll dig it after uh, everything else that I've already listened to. I'll, I'll, I'll play this. Barbara Streisand, she has The Water Is Wide and Deep Water. You brought it up earlier. It's a Scottish folk song from 1906, so don't expect any, you know, bass drops or rap interludes, I guess is what I'm saying. No, yeah. And then Lessons To Be Learned. Lot of God talk here, man. Lot of God talk. And then, I mean, let, let's just let's just rap through it. Avina Malkainu? Am yes. I saying that right? Uh, I assume so. It is a Jewish prayer recited during Jewish services during the 10 days of repentance from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur inclusive. 
this is a commercial pop release, Pedro, that is ostensibly for the mainstream audience mm. and sold over 5 million copies worldwide. The fact that she managed to get this onto the album is a testament to her star power yeah. as Barbara fucking Streisand at this juncture. Yeah. If anyone else tried to pull this, the record label would have shut it down you know, before you could say Mazel Tov. This, it's, a, it's a Jewish <laughs> yeah. prayer. Yeah. I don't feel I don't feel right in judging it because obviously it's very spiritual and very cultural. I think it's like a I I don't think I'm allowed to call it a shit song. Um, it's like a film score almost. You know, what do, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I um, I'm going to stay clear of this one because I just don't want the Mossad to come after me if I make a bad <laughs> comment. But no, but what? But you are right. It just it is a testament to her super uh, her her superstar power that she can just say, "I'm going to put this at the end of my album." Um, obviously, she is of um of Jewish background, so I assume a lot of her fans as well. So it's um. All of them, all the tracks. This is probably her most personal one. You would have to figure because it's just so tied or connected to her personality. Whereas the other ones, a lot of them are just covers of other songs. Um, But yeah, it was fine. I mean, I it it has no resonance for me because I am not uh, culturally connected to it. But um, good on her for having the star power and the um, the 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 balls to. put it on her album the balls she has balls pedro the chuspa is to be a lot no. more appropriate <laughs> i said so i said this is like a very film score type track speaking of film scores pedro yes celine dion has a song called my heart will go on what do you got for it wow well i mean what can be said i mean i don't know man this is one of the biggest songs ever i don't know man it is it is it's a it's a it's a weird it was a phenomenon at the time man it's one of the biggest songs ever obviously it's probably it's definitely one of the biggest songs from a movie right i couldn't even think of anything else that that it's maybe the rocky theme um but um smash mouth's all stuff oh yeah (laughs) that's true that's true. Which which one do you find a lot more annoying? <laughs> oh, they both need to be burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's a it's a big track. I want to ask: Is it a good song? I'm not saying obviously. Titanic was the biggest movie of all time at that point. Mm. You know, launched the careers of Kate Winslet, Leo DiCaprio, really put them into superstardom. Yeah, um, established James Cameron as a huge blockbuster, and established mm. Celine Dion as yeah. the pop star of the minute. Yeah, for sure. All of this, you know, obviously it's it's tied up all in that, and it's impossible to separate them. But judging the song by itself, judging it against the rest of the album, against Barbara Streisand's album. Is it a good song? Because honestly, it's not the best song on the album, mm. and there aren't any songs on the album that I would call good. Mm. So, is it a good song? Ah, it's so difficult. It's hard to separate it because, like, to go into listening to it, like I've never heard it before. Is it a good song? If it wasn't the bit massive hit that it was, it will probably be just another filler song on this album you know what i mean like i think it is a filler track and i would think even tell him is a better track than my heart will go on yeah because in comparison to everything else on the album it does fit the mold of like the rest of the other bland songs particularly at the tail end of the album it's just when i hear that like that that opening that celtic kind of scottish sound i'm just kind of like oh here we it just (laughs) 
I'm literally transported to 1997 playing on my Tamagotchi and this song was just just everywhere. And I think being able to sing along, it's a it's an ideal karaoke song mm. because people can join in, you know, like you know, it's so singable and all and I think to your credit that you brought up parodyable it's mockable yeah in the same way that a lot of adele songs are yeah. mockable um but that's important sometimes because it it makes it sticky it makes it even oh i hate that song but you still know how it goes you know yeah 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 definitely yeah it's um it is a a, a phenom of a song yeah it's corny to say but it's possibly the the greatest love song from a film ever one of the biggest songs of the 90s one of the biggest ballads ever I don't know. I mean, it still sounds very big and epic, right? Uh, coming through my speakers when I heard yeah, to, it. To its credit, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I'm sure Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet hate hearing this song. Oh, I bet they do. <laughs> uh, I don't know about Billy Zane. Billy Zane probably still uh, enjoys it. it. takes him back to a time where... He had um, a career. Yeah. I didn't have much else for this insanely long Celine Dion album because this yeah. is certainly the peak. Obviously, this is the peak and then it's all down. Did you have anything else for the for the like couple of tracks towards the end? Yeah, I, well, just the, the couple of tracks at the end, they do sound uh, very similar. I thought it was funny, one track, Be The Man, um, written by Junior Miles um, and a lot of this album is uh, produced by David Foster. Um, I thought it was funny that for this particular song, they actually released a single specifically for Japan. Um, so there is a Japanese version of the song where Celine Dion sings, and she's actually better on the Japanese version than the English-speaking version. Inexplicably. Yes. Um, so I, I, I gave it a listen, and I thought that was uh, uh, um, uh, way way better than that original one. I appreciated that. Um, I mean, you're wading into fucking bonus track territory here. That's yeah. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get paid overtime for this. I, I, don't <laughs> I understand. I understand. I, I like to torture myself, so uh, <laughs> that's why. And then with a song like "I Hate You," then I love you. It's a, a, another boring duet um, to the point that I thought was interesting. New York Observer editor Jonathan Bernstein wrote, and I quote, it's a clattering camp travesty during which the big man and the little sparrow indulge in some pent-up sexual jousting. All the unleashed octaves in the world fail to expunge the mental image of the most unfeasible coupling since Biggie Smalls and Little Kim. End quote. Oh, so. I forgot. I blurred that out of my memory. Yes, of course. How could I forget to mention Pavarotti is on the album. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, honestly, yeah. I blocked that out of my fucking memory. The opera singer, you know, very famous Pavarotti and Celine Dion, which, you know, is for, if you're into that kind of music in that sort of, I would call it, what, vocal cord masturbation? Yeah. This is like a wet dream, right? Yeah. Both of these people on a track, but, oh, it is brutal to listen to. Yeah, and I think they have a video for that too, if I'm not mistaken. I did not go about um, watching that, but that's fine. And then, um, yeah, and then the track and the album, excuse me, the album ends with uh, Let's Talk About Love, the title track, which I always feel if your title track is at the end of the album, that's really a bad sign. Um, why don't you just put it up front or in the middle? It sounds weird, but um, um, yeah, it ends with um, um, another choir of children singing, um, which I thought was abhorrent, um, and and the album just kind of ends 
with a with a whimper, like a wet fart in a bottle. Exactly. Uh, Pedro, let's take it to the breakdown. Both of these albums, tremendously successful, millions of copies sold, went to number one on the charts, uh, and of course, lead singles, they involve each other. Mm. What did you make of it, and why do you think each album was so successful, but one of them, to an insane degree, one of the most successful albums of all time? Uh, Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about Love, the Celine Dion album. The album was super successful because of that song the titanic song um it was just it was the biggest song ever it still is one of the most recognizable songs you mentioned is one of those songs that people sing in karaoke and you start singing in a group of people in a jokingly way everyone's going to start singing it so i think that really helped um the album sell um and made Celine dion a superstar she's rising in her career she has a lot of help from very talented people, whether it be Carol King or the Bee Gees writing her songs for her. So I think all these things um, attributed to it. But yeah, mostly the um, um, the song that shall not be named, the massive catalyst. And then Barbara Streisand's uh, album, uh, Higher Ground. I, I think it comes down to Superstar. She's a superstar putting out an album. There's going to be, she probably, this is her, she's a, like, 27th album there's there's people album. there's are people there are people who are going to be buying her albums no matter what even at the yeah 1997 we didn't have streaming services but if she puts out barbara streisand puts out an album like a physical album today those people will buy the physical album because they're not listening to streaming services you know what i mean they're pretty hardcore barbara streisand fans and um i think that's a, a, a massive reason as to um why the why the album sold what it sold i mean so you are right these maybe these figures were inflated because we're at the peak of cd the cd bubble right right People are just buying cds like crazy the one song the song that shall be not named <laughs> is probably the reason this album did so well it was a massive song so obviously if it comes attached on an album it will do wonderfully and then also you have the lead single from another superstar's album as just one of your regular tracks. Right. So oh, that's going to add so many sales, right? And it's a it's a very good song. I think Barbara Streisand does better than Celine Dion on the song. I think mm. she outdoes Celine Dion. That being said, if you give you know, My Heart Will Go On to Barbara Streisand, I'm not quite sure that the song becomes as popular. Mm. She could sing it even better. But, but the fact that she's in her mid-50s, it's her 27th album, she's almost... She's passe at this point, maybe a little bit cringe. She's getting, you know, mocked in South Park and stuff. Mm. I feel like because Celine Dion had just come off a, a really hot album in around 1995, she was the new thing, all the hype was about her. It gave the, the album a little push, and it gave the song she was singing, which weren't that great, mm. an extra push. Right. That's why I think it was more successful. Now, Barbra Streisand, you're right, she is still a superstar, very, very um, professional as a, as a song, as, as a singer, and I think she does... Very well. The album is dated. There's no question. It doesn't belong in 1997. It belongs in 1957. And maybe that <laughs> limited its success a little bit. But I'm glad she didn't do what Celine did. Like, it's it's one thing for Celine as a 29-year-old to be doing R&B tracks and Spanish Reggae, tracks. Yeah. If Barbara did it, you would feel, you'd feel sad for her. Yeah. You'd feel pity for her. So Barbara was very professional and um, very elegant in the way she delivered it. And it, it, that was why the album happened. Celine, she's the superstar. She's what's happening right now. She's so hot right now. This is what's up. 
And so the, the album sold what it was. I think her strategy of just picking genres willy-nilly, just picking random songs, mm-hmm. fuck it, here's a Spanish song, fuck it, here's a 90s club banger, fuck it, here's a mashed potato. I think it works. I think mm. it works for, especially in this, people are just buying CDs. Mm. You're getting 70 minutes worth of music and there's so many different tracks and styles. I think that appeals to it. Because, mm. um, as you said, streaming wasn't a, wasn't a thing. Um I will probably never listen to either of these albums ever oh, again. I for never sure. want to listen. I never want to listen to that particular song ever yeah. again. Uh, and I'd be very happy if it never existed anymore <laughs> on this planet. <laughs> that being said, it was a nice, refreshing thing after a couple of hip hop albums to <laughs> you know torture ourselves. Um, Pedro, uh, you got a song from either album to recommend to people? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so with uh, Barbara Streisand's Higher Ground. Even though it was featured on both albums, which will negate itself from what I'll choose from Celine Dion's album, I'll say tell tell him. I, I don't want every everyone out there listening to go through what we had to go through <laughs> this week. So I'm going to choose the song which I feel is the most digestible, which is tell him. And I'm going to say specifically, go watch the music video because I think it's hilarious how you have these two um, celebrities, superstars, divas pretending to be normal people and um, act like they're really just vibing and just in the moment of uh, of uh, uh, recording a song. I think it's hilarious. So, so I'll choose that. And then uh, off of Let's Talk About Love with Celine Dion. Fuck. I'm not going to say Titan- the Titanic song. Everyone's heard that fucking song so many times. What I'm going to do is... Uh, mm, mm, mm. Uh, I'll go for the cringe factor. Let's go treat her like a lady. Um, it's Celine Dion singing uh, Jamaican, singing reggae. Um, and uh, after you hear that, you've heard it all. So that's what I'm going to choose. Good Lord Almighty. For Barbara Streisand, I really like If I Could. I just like that song. I think her vocal performance is great. One of the few ballads I've enjoyed on this program that we're doing. And uh, I think that's her... It's her wheelhouse, man. So if you're, if you're going to listen to a ballad, get someone who is one of the very best at doing mm. it. You know, get... She's a top-tier vocalist. For Celine Dion, I'm going to go with my boys, the Bee Gees, on Immortality. A little bit of rhythm, a little bit of salse, a little, little bit of heat, but not too much. Um, I, I like that track, actually. I thought it was such a strong start to the album, and it all went so downhill so very, very quickly. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, that's all I got, Pedro. Uh, let's do it again sometime soon. All right, sounds good. Peace out, guys. See ya. Bye. Number one, it was number one on the Billboard 200, more than 5 million copies sold worldwide. Man, I can't talk today. <laughs> today. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that boy. That iced coffee. It's got it's you drunk. Me. Shit hits different. <laughs>